Hey, Mothmana here, just letting you know that at the end of this episode, there is a 20-minute reading, so if that interests you and you want to see if it resonates, stick around. See you on the other side. You're listening to The Real Witches of the End Times, transmissions straight from the underworld. Hey, Doom Witches, Blood Wizards, Underworld Accountants, and Cloud People. It's me, Mana Bueller, aka the host of The Real Witches of the End Times, which is what podcast you're listening to right now. Um, it's a solo episode this week. Um, that was because I fell off a deck on Friday. No, it was Thursday. I fell off a deck on Thursday night. Um, holy shit. That was an experience. Um, I didn't break my ankle, but for the first two days, I thought I did. So, um... I'm no longer on crutches, though. It's only been four days, which is great. So I'm really happy about that. Um, (laughs) The ultimate concerning thing for me on the, well, the night of me falling off was I had just, like, within a couple of hours before, started watching this tell-all documentary about Skinwalker Ranch. So there were some very real thoughts in my head that I somehow had, like, heard things I wasn't supposed to hear, which is why, um, some angry spirits, like, push me off a deck or something. Um, yeah. But I also have a mic now, which is cool. Um, I also didn't want to interview somebody while I'm trying to learn how to use this microphone, and holy shit, I'm glad that I definitely decided to experiment with it on my own, because this is the fourth time I have tried to record this. Uh, yeah. I messed up for a lot of reasons, some pretty comical ones. I almost blew up my eardrums with the feedback, like, scream um, that I got at one point. But we're good. We're good now. The audio thing on my computer screen looks at a reasonable level. It's not shooting off the charts, and it's not, like, a little mumble anymore. And I can hear myself comfortably in my headphones. I'm not blasting my own voice at an ungodly decibel which is what I just thought I would have to hear for some reason. I didn't understand that there's a volume knob on the mic that I can turn down at any point I would like. But on a positive, I did learn that uh, shuffling a deck of cards with this mic sounds hella nice. So I'm going to do that right now. Uh, I'm sorry if you don't like this noise, uh, but I do. So, and this is my podcast. That sounded really good. Okay. Whew. That was like some sound healing. That was my, one of my favorite noises is a good ruffle bridge card shuffle. So let's jump into this Q&A. Let's jump in. First up, why do our eyes look like a galaxy inside? Is it possible that we are our past, present, and future selves all at once? And to that I say, yeah. Uh-huh. I do think that. Um... <laughs> This is a metaphor that I've used a lot and I'm going to continue to use, so you might get sick of hearing it, but I don't care. Think of time as an ocean. Like, we make up linear time. There's some person somewhere who decides that on a certain day at at 2 a.m. in California that it's no longer 2 a.m., that it is 3 a.m. And we just decide that and then we all follow it as a group. There's no, like, legitimate basis for that. Um... There's no natural law that implies that's how things work. So yeah, time isn't real. If you think of the ocean as everything existing at once, and the linearity that you experience being you swimming from one point to another, you can see how, while that may be what you're experiencing, there's so much more going on around you, and you have access to those things, or they have access to you at relatively any point. Yeah, there's some things that are farther away, deeper, like harder to get to and all that stuff, but it ultimately is all existing at one point and is one shell of a being. So yeah, I think all we are our past, present, and future selves all at the same time. It doesn't go away. 
and honestly linear time is kind of a colonial thing um, a lot of indigenous people if you read different tribes or different nations stories um, I'm specifically thinking of one where a young girl is a story of a young girl who discovers how to tap maple maple syrup how to tap maple syrup out of a tree in Vermont and um, the big belief is like every time a child taps into a tree for the syrup it is the first time that's ever happening because it's that true discovery that the child's experiencing so that's one thing to think about so yeah i do think it's possible that we are our past present and future selves all at once question two what's the plan for your teeth so um i'm gonna assume that this is in reference to the 10 bags of teeth that i showed on my instagram a few days ago and not the teeth in my mouth but if it is about the teeth in my mouth i my plan for them is to keep them in there as long as possible if you would like to contact me privately and maybe we can discuss like if i die or something if you would like to have the teeth in my mouth um, we can make an arrangement for that in case you're trying to make a specific type of amulet um, please don't trap my spirit. I would like to cross over. Um, I don't want to be um, given a purpose, in a sense, to do someone's bidding at this point. Um, but if you need my teeth for some spells, like, I'm totally down for this. That's fine. Um, I consent to it. Maybe I'll, I'll put that in my will that to for the whoever the dude who hands out the will uh, when you die or who shows it. Why am I forgetting that person's name or whatever job it is? Uh, I'll just make a little caveat note to ask around in my family and friend group if anyone needs any of my teeth before I am buried. But if this is in reference to the bags of teeth that I showed on my story, and by bags of teeth, uh, dear listener, I am not referring to 10 bags full of teeth, whereas 10 small Ziploc bags that have a couple of teeth each in them. So we're only talking about 20 teeth right now. Um, not like thousands. And they're all mine. I did not take them from anybody. They belong to me. Um, how I got these was my mom was cleaning out her closet and found a hat box full of all of my baby teeth from when I was a kid that I'd given to the tooth fairy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so now I have them. She, was, she wasn't going to throw them away. She knew I'd want them, which is kind of comical to me um, that we're at such a level now that like, oh, should I get rid of these like pieces of bone that once belonged to my daughter? Or should would she maybe want them back for some reason? Uh, and I did want them back. And now they're just sitting here I'm very protective of my teeth for many reasons. A couple of years ago, I got my wisdom teeth removed, all four of them at once, and I now have them, all four of them, in a jar. And I'm very defensive of these this jar of teeth because a couple of years ago, I was moving into an apartment with a roommate at the time and it was someone that like i'd been friends with for a year or almost a year at that point so i thought this was okay um i was wrong <laughs> was very wrong i thought it would be funny to take this jar because it's a tiny little apothecary looking jar with like a cork top uh, i thought it'd be funny to put it in the community spice cabinet in the house <laughs> I didn't just, like, leave it there. I thought it was, I, again, I thought it was funny. And so when they came home one day, my roommate, when she walked in the door, I was like, hey, look at this. I put my wisdom teeth in the spice cabinet. Isn't that funny? And she was appalled and disgusted and, like, very upset that I would, like, she was not down with it. Um, so I took them out. I felt really bad because I was like, oh, shit, now I am that roommate story that someone tells to uh, their peers every year about how they're one of their roommates tried to keep a jar of their teeth in the shared spice cabinet next to the turmeric. Um, but in s spite of that situation, I now keep my teeth in every spice cabinet I've ever been, or any spice cabinet I've ever owned since then. Every apartment, uh, multiple countries, I've had my jar of teeth and they have been there in the spice cupboard 
Um, some people like to say the mark of independence is being able to keep a bong on your coffee table in the living room and not have to hide it or put it away. Um, for me, it's having my jar of teeth wherever I damn well please. So I have these bags of baby teeth on my kitchen table where I am currently living now. Um, I don't know specifically what I am going to do with them other than display them in, I don't know, like a stick it to the man, like, fuck you and your teethless, decor your decorative teethless society. I have many teeth and they are decorating all over the place. I would consider using them in magic. I don't know why I said would. I am considering using them for magical reasons. Duh, that's why I have them. That's what my wisdom teeth were for. I don't have all of the pieces of my wisdom teeth any longer. Um, I did use some of them or some pieces of them in a witch bottle that I made for my last apartment. Um, but yeah, they were like adult teeth. And for some reason, I feel like baby teeth just feel different. Like, maybe if I was trying to access or do some childhood trauma healing, maybe I could use these teeth in the spell because they, they're, they're from, like, that um, late childhood, like, early to middle adolescent time. So, and it has all the DNA, all that stuff in there. So, it's like, I feel like that has some type of meaning in that way or have some type of access to that. I never really thought about that until right now. So maybe I'll do some research on it. But if any of you have any information on um, teeth uses other than for eating and chewing um, and brushing, <laughs> please let me know. Um, that's probably a long shot, but I am serious. Like, please don't be shy. If you've used your own teeth in magic, I want to hear about it. Because so far, uh, I... While I know there's many witches who do this, I haven't met any in my immediate circle that actively use their old teeth in spells. And also, I guess um, if, I, if I can't figure out something to do with these teeth that's like magical specifically, I'll just, maybe I'll carry this small jar of the baby teeth in my pocket so in case anyone murders me and then does the whole the office Dwight Schrute overkill killer thing where they remove all of my teeth in my mouth and all of my um, fingerprints and toe prints and like shave my head and take all the toenails and fingernails off my body so I am unable to like have some type of DNA match. Um, the joke will be on them because the, the police will find a jar of teeth in my pocket and there'll be plenty of DNA there to ID me. So... Also, um, in case anything happens to me and I go missing and you need some of my DNA, in every home I will live in from this point on, there will be a, there just is a jar of teeth in my spice cabinet. So that's there if you need it. Okay, we got question number three. What are the extra buttons that come in jackets when you buy them for? Okay, so when I when I read this question, I was pretty concerned uh, for the person who wrote me, and I guess the general public as well. I thought everyone knew what those buttons were for. Those buttons are for in case you lose one of the ones that are sewn on, you have an extra. That's it. That's what they're for. Um, if you didn't know that, now you know. And as a witch, an intuitive reader... Um, I guess a psychic, uh, an alien, and many of the things, all of my credentials there. I am very glad that I have been able to answer that question for you. <laughs> Next question. How to cleanse a house slash ideas for getting rid of negative energy. So there's many different avenues that someone could go about doing something like this. The first thing I usually suggest, or the first thing I do when I start to feel like I need to cleanse my living space is open the curtains. Oh my gosh, just open them. Open all of them. Let as much sunlight in as possible because for some reason that like changes my mood instantly. One, well, obviously it's sunlight in my own mood, but I think 
that it has a profound effect on your environment as well. Like where darkness gathers, right? You want to like shine a light on it just so there's like a psychological aspect, but also like it literally changes the energy. Also move stuff around. If you have specific corners or crevices or parts of your living space that you don't really use, maybe you just kind of stack things up in them. Or maybe it's like you're, everyone has the chair or the corner, right? Where all of their laundry goes. Move it around. Even if you don't want to put all your laundry away, knock that pile over. Like wave your hands around. Get the air circulating. Get the dust moving. Um, while you're at it, you might as well clean your whole house because that'll do great things energetically as well. Um, the, like, if you want to get really into it, you can do a floor wash. Um, think about all the materials you're using when you're cleaning your house too. Like if you can, like if you want it everywhere, like use as many, you can use herbs, all this stuff in this process. Um, I'm not going to get super detailed right now, but these are just some ideas. If you want more specifics on it, you can come ask me or let me know. Maybe I can do a more detailed episode at some point on that. Um, but yeah, listen to good music while you're doing that and watch what you're thinking about. If you're mad and you're cleaning your house, you're literally spreading your own negativity everywhere. Another form of energy cleansing for the home that many people are familiar with is going to be like smoke cleansing. But I'm going to address this with many a caveat because a lot of the popular methods of such type of energy cleansing are... um, kind of harmful, not necessarily to you directly, but just all sorts of levels. (laughs) I don't even know how to explain it. Um, One, watch what plants you're using because there are so many plants that are critically endangered that people are still using to smudge. Um, white sage and palo santo are the two like most popular one they're really great for that purpose but also like it's just been extremely over harvested capitalism's fucked it up um a lot of the time what you're getting isn't even like what you want like when you think like oh i'm energy cleansing or smudging my my home with this plan it's like okay but like what's what's you're you're actively acknowledging that there's energy right and so why would you want to use a material that has been grown in such a way that it's the energetics of the plant are fucked up like it's just actively harming communities of indigenous people and first nations um there's just all sorts of levels to it that it's like why would i want that like personally and then also like why would i want to do that um knowing its impact on communities from which the tradition originated. So that's something to be really cognizant of. I I feel like, like it kind of blows my mind still a little bit when I see lots of people not addressing that in their practice and still using lots of those plant materials. Um, I actually read somewhere that like white sage isn't wasn't isn't even um by lots of the the nations the first nations that use that material in their practices it's not even for the same purpose that um, it's been popularized as it's not like a cleansing plant um then again if it works for you it works for you but it's just something to be aware of always do your own research on things um don't believe the hearsay don't don't take my word for it like on all this shit like look it up yourself too um, but, but I, I will tell you that it, it is a quote unquote fact that, uh, uh, Palo Santo and White Sage are critically endangered. And that doesn't mean that you can't smoke cleanse. Holy shit. No. Um, there are so many plants that if you have, like, if they call to you or you have that intention that that's what you want to do with them, um, they will come to you, build a relationship with them, build a relationship with the plant. <laughs> One of the the plants that I like to burn is cedar. And how did I get this cedar? One of my herbalist friends harvested it herself, dried it, and gave it to me. And so I have this such gratitude for that plant as I'm using it and my friend. Um, Obviously, not everyone has friends who are going to give them dried plants that they harvested on their journeys around. But go around in your yard, dry some things yourself. Look at the sources of where you're getting your herbs from. Oh my gosh. Look where you're sourcing things. 
it's worth it. It is just worth it to do that. You want to minimize the amount of harm. It's so hard just the way everything's set up now, but try to do what you can, okay? Honestly, don't even try to do what you can. Do what you can. It's the least you can do. So that kind of ties into my next possible point. Possible point. No, my next point. It's not possible. I'm saying it. Of what like ways to cleanse or protect yourself or get rid of negative energy. A lot of people... Like, this question seems like it's phrased kind of like as a band-aid on the situation. Like if something's already happened. Um, so a lot of these methods that I've explained will help with that. But also we kind of want to prevent that from happening in the first place, right? Um, so check, check your relationship with the land you live on. And I don't just mean the, if, like, if you live on a large property and you have like woods on it and stuff. No, like if you live in an apartment building, it's still built on land that is millennia, millennia older than you. So respect it. You don't walk up to some random person on the street and then just start asking them for shit or their resources and then go on your merry way. Oh. My my heater just turned on. Um, <laughs> that's it saying, fuck yeah. I'll be back in a minute. And I'm back. I talked to my heater. I expressed to it that if it wants to agree with whatever statement I'm saying, that it can do so after I finish recording. And that would be much more respectful and that way I'd be much more able to engage and have a conversation about what they liked about what I said. And that is how I communicated my needs clearly with my heater. But back to what I was saying about having a relationship with the land. As an example of something that you can do, the other day I had an online herbalism course the lesson was specifically in botany and plant IDing, and so one of the things that we needed to do was to gather various plant materials from our property or wherever we could get and use them to, like, ID plants in different families. I had gathered a few climbing roses from this giant trellis in the yard here and used those and then put them in a vase and they were on my table for a few days. But as they started to wilt, I decided to take them outside and leave them at the base of this oak tree on the property that I love so much, even though he's rotting and my family's going to remove him, which I'm upset about and trying to prevent from happening, but there's only so much I can do. But I decided to leave these roses at the base of the tree just as a gift to the land because the tree is part of the land. And a few hours later, I was sitting at my kitchen table and I looked out the window at just precisely the right moment and I saw a deer just come up so close to my house and then just chomp up those roses and at first I was like hey those are for the tree but then I recognized that no no those are for the land the land here as a whole it is an organism I can't there's no separateness to it the entire ecosystem and I just by offering leaving those roses um, and that you're eating them as contributing to, to that cycle. And so I thank the land for accepting my offering. So you can do things like that. You can also do, you know, when you do yard work, um, when you fix things on your property, when you don't disrupt the land in a way that's harmful, like don't like remove entire sides of cliffs or things like that, ask like, talk to the spirits. Talk to the plants before you harvest them. Make sure that they are okay with it. Communicate what you're doing. Leave, leave offerings. And offerings aren't just, like, things that people say you can leave. Like, you're, the whole point of an offering is that you're giving something important to you and expressing that sense of gratitude um, by giving it up. So, if in, let's say, one culture, leaving tobaccos important, if that's like, not important to you, then don't do it, because then it doesn't mean anything. Um, so, for me, like, I like to leave bits of my food, or some people leave the last, pe last like, eighth of their drink, or whatever, or whatever, anything like that. There's something that's important to you, you can leave out. Plants are really important to me, 
um, when I harvest them and there's pieces that maybe I can't use or maybe pieces that I do really, I think are beautiful, but I go put it back outside and give it back and show that respect to the place that I live. You can also, if you want to directly connect with certain plants, you can try this plant meditation that I learned from Jessica, aka Ancient Woods Witch. She told me how you can imagine in meditation outside you can imagine the roots coming out from you into the earth and meeting and communicating with the roots of a specific plant that you would like to get to know and then you just observe what type of imagery or sounds or things come up in your head and you can continue to do so this is what i did with this oak tree that is outside here and now i really like it and i'm very defensive of it and i know that it's proud of me so um yeah, so when I fell off the deck, actually, one of the things that I asked a shaman that I work with about was if the land spirits are pissed at me for some reason, and they weren't, um, it was fine. Actually, the reason why, or one of the many reasons I have decided that I fell off that deck was because I, again, need to learn how to communicate my needs clearly, and when you are incapable of walking for two days without really hurting yourself... You have to learn how to talk to people and tell them what you want. And you learn pretty quick that you can't just be like, can I have something to eat? Because then they'll ask back, well, what the hell do you want? Like, what do you, what do you want to eat? Like, you can't, you have to give specific details. You have to be forthright. You can't like be like, well, I'm just going to decide not to go to the bathroom right now. Like all this stuff, like you have to, it really forced me to like learn how to vocalize those things. Um, even in that very small period of time. So that was a good lesson for me. In the short term but yeah so when you communicate with your land though with the land it is a reciprocitous reciprocal i always fuck up this word it is a relationship based on reciprocity so don't take 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 and don't give 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 it's a give and take um this isn't your land in the way that we've the, like the, the whole idea of colonialism has taught us that this is my land like sure I'm paying my landlord a rent to be here, but that landlord doesn't own this land any more than I do because we can't own it. The earth doesn't belong to anyone specifically. So keep that in mind as well. What, what, you, what nature provides for you isn't out, out of obligation and it is out of the goodness of its being and its desire for life. Another way to, I kind of lost track of the question there, but um, another way to um, cleanse your house or kind of get rid of negative energy, if that's your intention, is also sound healing. So let's say you don't have access to plants, plant material, or maybe you have a smoke sensitivity. Something that you could do is ring a singing bowl. So if you have a Tibetan singing bowl or any other type of like gong or clear crystalline sounding noise, you can hit that and like make that noise hit the side of the bowl around your home and what that does is it attunes and aligns the energy in the space with its vibration you can do this in the corners of your house or area that are um, specifically like pretty dark or maybe there's not a lot of movement to like move the energy around there um, i also recommend doing this to your water it's pretty cool um before you drink it a good way to kind of prove to the logical part of your brain like what you're doing is having an impact is by wringing the side of the bowl and then taking the the little stick mallet and putting it in the middle and dangling it there and you can feel the vibration from the bowl like literally moving it and controlling it to get it to stay still it is so fascinating another thing you can do too is music so you can play music that has been created with this with the specific music that has been created with the specific intention of cleansing your space or protecting it or any other type of intention there's plenty of this on youtube or other online resources these are things like binaural beats um, sound healing meditations any of this stuff that can kind of like vibrationally fill your space with uh, that was created with the intention with the outcome that you would like to see in your immediate environment and you might want to do some digging and maybe not click on the first link that you see and also use your own intuition too like if you think something is valuable or right along right along like if you think something is valuable or its intentions are 
matching what yours are. Um, do be careful with subliminals. Anything that's talking about subliminal messages online if you don't trust the source of it. Because this thing about subliminals is that you don't really hear them. So they could be saying anything to you. Um, so just, you know, use use your own sensory, like if you think it feels good. Trust that. Another thing that you can do is set up a crystal grid in your house. Um, I do this around my doors. Sometimes I'll also sprinkle like salt and I just kind of imagine a ward of some kind. Um, like only like if, if you imagine the walls of your home being like a membrane of a cell where it's not that it's blocking off everything, but there's the, an intelligence to the membrane that only lets in what the cell needs or what is beneficial to the cell. So you can do that. You can create that yourself with crystal grids or even um, sigils. I did this in my apartment by I meditated and saw an image in my head of a symbol and a little prayer that came to it. And then I painted it all around the floorboards of the boundaries of my home to kind of keep um, energies out of my neighbors. Because again, it was an apartment. So I'm, I'm literally living just like a couple of feet away from other people. Um, yeah, we may be separated by a wall, but energetically, like, the energy doesn't give a fuck. Like, it's like, no, like, you're right here next to this couple arguing. Or I have downstairs neighbors that, like, fight and then have had the police called on them. And it literally sounds like sometimes that someone is being killed downstairs. Um, which is, ugh, really hard sometimes, emotionally. Um, but, yeah, so I do, I do a lot of stuff to kind of try to keep, um that out and to protect the people there actually but again that's a whole other story okay so that's generally some things you can do to either cleanse your house or um, get rid of negative energy in it there are um like so many other ways too as well i probably missed some of the key classic ones but those are kind of the ones i employ on my own Ringo day-to-day basis basis and if you would like any more detail about those or have specific questions feel free to ask me on instagram okay so a question that i received and i do receive this one a lot actually and for some reason i never answer it in a satisfactory way but i'm going to try to do now is all about like my spirit portraits that i do um I, I paint, if you don't know, I paint people's energy. And by energy, I mean kind of just, and then I draw a blank, right? I, I, I don't really know how to explain it. Um, there's the bothness of how a person makes me feel when I'm around them. Obviously, if it's someone I know well, it's someone I know, like I know details about their lives. But also, I just get messages when I paint these. Like they start off... Um, like I'll get a certain image in my head and then it's just kind of what fits in the image and then it just ends up matching the person so well. It kind of just happens and I don't question it. And I don't question it because of how this originally started for me, which was not a pleasant experience at first. My very first year of university, so about four years ago, I started compulsively drawing, which doesn't sound weird. I mean, okay, well, actually, it sounds very weird. Um, it doesn't sound like a problem, right? It's like, what is compulsively drawing? It was like, I would be in situations and it's like, I would get super anxious until I started drawing like these shapes on a notebook. And so I have photos of all of these really weird sketches that I was doing that were just like all these blobs and circles. And then I would just feel like they represented a person. Um, I get this for like staring at teachers or professors in classrooms. Like I would just have to draw them. And then I just started seeing these like cloaked, like they, it, they look like, um, if someone was trying to draw a very low effort person, it's just like, yeah, you obviously know the head and neck and then just kind of like a long rectangular blob with some reference to shoulders. Um, that's how I see beings. Um, well, that's how I first started seeing beings. 
Um, the never of feet. And I don't see specific features because I feel like that they're coming to me in that way just to kind of like get enough of my attention that I see them. Because that's not how they are, right? Like that's not, there's no law, no natural law that's like all energies must look like humans because we're not the top of the energy manifest. I don't know. Um, not everything has to look like a person, but uh, if I see something represented as a person, I'm not going to be as threatened by it. And I can kind of put those pieces together. And that's just how I see it. Um, colors. People, I, I, when I meet people, I, I assign a color to them. <laughs> um, and it's not just like, oh, you're yellow. It's like, no, there's various shades in my head. I don't, again, it's really hard for me to translate this out of my brain and um, into like some type of verbalized way of explaining it. Because a lot of the times it just changes from painting to painting. Some people get very clear, like I'll just see them. And then like, like I did a, I did a portrait a couple months ago where I didn't see any guides at all. I saw this person had like swarms of insects around them, not physically, but just in my mind, um, which isn't really something you want to tell somebody when they're getting a reading from you. And you're like, I don't see any guides, but there's just bugs all over your auric field. Yeah, not something I wanted to explain, but I ended up carefully articulating it in enough of a way that um, we ended up realizing that all of those insects represented specific people in our life pretty clearly um, and synchronistically and that it's all these pollinators that were there to help them once they planted the garden of what they wanted to do at that point in their life that there was all these energies just waiting to help get the ball rolling in a way so it was a metaphor so I see things like that too You'll notice I speak a lot in metaphors, um, so I, it would make sense that I would see energy that way as well. Sometimes I see symbols that represent elements or like planetary aspects. Like I like that as well. It's kind of just like this translation of um, what a person, like a person's introductory paragraph, if you could turn that into an image, is like what I try to express. But also these can change from time to time as well. Like if like there's people who predominantly have a certain like color field for me or I see them as a specific color or multiple colors. It's not always just one. But then let's say like the next day that like, you're like pissed off and it's like, it's not the same. It's different. Um, there's something really strongly tied to, I think the outer layers, at least I see them as the outer layers of like the fringes of things. Um, sometimes people's auric fields are like holding, holding back energy. I'll see the brightest people with like the darkest shit around them, but it's like not a bad thing. It's just, they're, they're so good at their own energetic boundaries that nothing can touch them. It's really fascinating. Um, what else? Yeah, it's kind of, I guess, a kind of akin to automatic writing where like an automatic writing, you just write and see what messages you get out of it. I do the same thing with drawing or just, it's just the process, like this full trust in the process. And I've had some really incredible experiences with clients in this, doing this thing. Um, the intention for them started off as being a meditative tool to help people kind of get in touch with what's around, with what's around them because um, we're never truly alone. Like, yeah, maybe I'm physically alone sitting in my trailer right now talking to myself, um, but I'm not alone in the sense that there's nothing here with me. There's so much. Um, there's so much energy, so much, especially on this land I'm on right now. Oh my gosh. It's, uh, if I had lived with this much awareness a year ago, I would have just been freaked out all the time. So that's kind of me trying to explain, I guess, how I see energy. Um, I hear a lot of things in song and music. I hear energy. Um, I have this ringing in my ear sometimes, and it's not tinnitus. I try to figure it out, but it'll show up at the strangest times to like confirm things. Like I've noticed a lot of like hums and frequencies will 
Like if I say something and it has, and it's like there's some depth to it or some profoundness to it, it's important um, for whoever I'm doing a reading for or myself. I'll hear something like a really high pitch frequency or something in my house will just turn on or decide to turn on. Um, there's a record player that's sitting in front of me that has a CD attachment that when I was a teenager actually used to turn on, on its own. <laughs> um, I thought there was something wrong with the wiring, like with the plug, but no, it, it, it just did that. And it was the first, uh, the CD that was always in it was I'm Wide Awake It's Morning by Bright Eyes. And the first track on that is just Connor Oberst talking and he goes, so there's this woman on an airplane. Um, and so in the middle of the night, I would just hear or a, a blue light would pop up and just be like, so there's a woman on an airplane <laughs> and I have to get up and shut it off. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know what's going on. Um, so spirit will talk to me literally. Um, I am the woman on the airplane. I am. That's what I've taken from that. That's my been my life so far archetype. I guess uh, a couple hundred years ago version of that would be the solo traveler on the horse going from town to town. But for now, I'm a woman on an airplane. So yeah, I hear songs and songs make me think of colors. It's just a lot of this association that I have between different energies. Um, okay, when I say energies, it's not helpful to describe what I'm saying. When I feel a certain way, it visually shows up in my mind's eye. I'm an extremely visual person. I'm very sensitive to things like that. Um, like even with plants, like I just, like when I think of, let's say if I'm working with the nervous system with herbs and like I think, okay, a plant like lemon balm. What does lemon balm make me think of? And some people would say the list of like the things that it does or changes in you or can change. Um, but I think, think like, oh, lemon balm is like sitting down and having a really positive chat with a friend that's like so comfortable and you don't feel time passing by and it's just like very soul nourishing, but bright. Um, that's what lemon balm is to me. And then that directly corresponds to an image in my brain. So let's say I'm doing a reading for someone and then I... I bibliomancy out um, lemon bomb from my herb book and that shows up. Um, I'll immediately see something like that in my head and then there's visual correspondences and I just see yellow, green, um, and blue with that. And then that looks a certain way. And so if I was drawing a lemon bomb person, um, there'd be a blue background and a yellow to green kind of ombre thing going from their head to their body. Yeah. I don't know who that person is. Um, Actually, no, I think it's my herb teacher, Jane Bothwell. Yeah. yeah I think I just tune into her. Um, <laughs> that's pretty easy for me, too, to tune in. I don't have, like, a active list of, like, auric colors, just, like, associations, because um, there's so many different ones. But when people look them up on their own, whatever resource they find ends up being exactly corresponding to their situation. It's amazing, actually. So I'm just kind of doing what I'm doing. Um, it's evolving in its own way. It started off as sketches and then it moved to watercolor paintings. And now it's digital because uh, we live in the end times, right? That's why this podcast is here. But digital makes it so, um, one, I can actually access and do a lot more of these for different people globally and uh, not have to go to the post office and touch people or any of that. So, um, I'm actually loving it. It's been a great, a great process or an experience to learn a whole new medium. And it lets me kind of express the vividness of color that I wasn't actually quite getting with watercolors that I wanted. Um, so it's been really fun and I'm honestly might keep primarily doing digital ones. My whole structural change as I get better at it um, with this medium and everything. But yeah, that's what my plan is right now for spirit portraits anyway. So if you're curious to what those look like um, or you would like one, again, on Instagram or my website would be the best place to go.
So I think um, I received a few other questions, but uh, someone just wrote the word slugs and then submitted it. Um, so that's not a question, but there is a slug that routinely goes across the patio in front of my door. And I've seen him physically a couple of times, but I see his little slug trail like every morning. So, um, what is the spirit of the slug? To move slow, diligently, consciously in the face of adversity, such as a giant five foot 11 woman towering over you and talking to you at such a loud volume as though you can understand her. Um, that is the spirit of the slug. But yeah, I think that's all the questions I'm going to answer. But I think it would be fun, since I've got you here, maybe I'll do a reading for you. Right? And you're like, how the hell are you going to do a reading for me? You don't know who I am. Um, well, one of the cool things about having a podcast that's new and not super high amount of listenership yet. We um, are growing, which is cool. But um, those of you who are still here are gonna have some messages so <laughs> it is for you because it's like 10 of you to get this far so let's let's do let's do a little bit of a reading let's see what's going on let's see what pops up and see if any of it resonates with you <sighs> just gonna pull some cards All of that was on the mic, right? <laughs> this is real in real time. You just heard it. You're hearing me fumble around, touching chords and shit. Okay. <laughs> so we've got three of pentacles, the page of swords, and <laughs> um, I'm not saying mm, like it's bad. It's not bad. It's the there's no such thing as a bad card. It's the Ten of Swords. The reason why I made that noise is because that card's been following me around. <laughs> so. Okay, so the Three of Pentacles with the Page of Swords here. Um, so the Page of Swords is catching my eye right away because it's a court card right at the middle of this reading. It uh, is the fastest card in the deck, in my opinion. It's, um, like, the pages are, like, the novice, the child, in a way. Um, it, it makes me think of someone who's just picked up a sword recently and is learning how to use it but is getting pretty confident about it uh, but there's there's a era like a instability about it right um the fact that i have the three of pentacles right before it um kind of makes me wonder if there's some type of material collaborative situation that like isn't didn't work out the way that you wanted it to and you kind of feel like you just want to, like, I just heard you just want to break things. The way that this page is facing is directly, it's like swinging towards the, the Ten of Swords. And normally the Ten of Swords to me, it's, you know, there's the image of the person laying down with all the swords in their back. And it's like that moment of defeat, but also the end of a cycle. It's like the pain is there. Um, it's like this, but this page is, this page is swinging towards it. Like it's not wanting this to happen. Or there's someone else in your life that's going through that process right now. And there's, there's a piece of you or part of you that wants to pull them out of it. But honestly, you just have to let them go through it. You have to let them experience this. It's, it's not, um, you're, you, you can't pull them out of it. The, the swords are very air, you're up in your head type of thing. It's like, it's not um, a situation that can be really resolved specifically with you making it stop for them. There's a, a rock tower in this Three of Pentacles that's making me think of, it's like those rock pyres that you see around rivers and stuff. This page can knock it down. It's going to knock down that, that rock tower if it tries to... Like, if you if you take a sword 
um, and start whacking it or trying to slice through other swords that are embedded into something, like you're not going to get any leeway. You're not just going to slice through these swords or pull them out. What you're going to do is break the environment around it or the person you're trying to save in the process. Or like maybe this is a lesson here of you can't save people. Um, and even if you want to, you can't fucking do it. You, you can't force someone to accept your help and you also can't like if you this metal to metal it's just going to break what's around it you're going to knock these rocks over like i'm thinking of with these rock pyres when people stack a bunch of them up around um, rivers and things when they fall they actually really scare the small wildlife um so if these rock pyres that are represented here get knocked down like it's just it's it's not just about you it's not about you right this person's going through this and it's not about you making yourself feel better by helping them. It's about that person being able to get it out. So you can be there. You can put your sword down. Um, you can be there for them if they come to you, but you can't force someone to accept your help. No matter what type of help that may be. I'm going to pull an archetype here. What archetype... Whoa. <laughs> I didn't even ask anything specific. Okay, that popped out. So this is number 50, no, 61, the mask. So I've actually drawn this a lot for myself lately. Um, so the mask is, it's not always about hiding yourself from, like, it's not always about inauthenticity or being inauthentic. It's also about being able to try on different things in life and letting yourself fully commit to the act on the stage. Um, but th this book, it's the Wild Unknown Archetypes Guidebook. I'm going to actually read for you all a little bit from it here or what's written because it, it's quite beautiful. I, I highly recommend this deck. There's another archetype deck out there. Um, it's a lot older. This one's really, obviously this deck's pretty new. Um, the other deck, really, the older deck, it's the, the Archetypes deck. I forget who wrote it. It's a red box. Um, it's good, in my opinion, but there's also a lot of outdated terminology in it that I just think that we need to move on from. Like, there's specifically, it says, like, Hermaphrodite and stuff like that, and it's like, while the meaning of the card may be um, good, it's just very triggering for a lot of people. Okay mini tangent back to this reading so i'm trying to trying to find l x i it's written in roman numerals i don't i didn't learn roman numerals until like above the number 30 until this book so so the mask we've got the persona the performance the reaver or the reveal we often think of the mask as something that conceals our identity Yet contemplate the possibility that the mask permits our true identity to be revealed. It allows. The mask gives voice to that which was previously rejected. When this card appears, the side of you that is seeking expression, yet was never given a rise or never given a role to play on the stage of your life. You are in the realm of theater, so anything is possible. Speak with the other's voice. Embody the other's limbs. You are taking part in the ritual of expanding the self. There may be mischief and deception around, and others may be trying on new masks, too. No one is sure who is who. It's likely you've become so attached to a single mask that you need to fall face forward into the perception of bending time. Trust it. When light reveals what has been suppressed, when dark further conceals what is rejected. Think of a mask or a costume that you wore that made you feel empowering, marvelous, or fun. Who was it you were being? Is that who still within you? So here in this context, with this idea of um, re well, well, recognizing that you can't like save people, you can't um, unless they agree to your help. Like, who are you trying to be? Like, that's how I'm seeing it. What is it you're trying to access, and is there another way that you can do so without? Um, imposing yourself on other people. Like, there's a sense of, um, what's the word? 
like this this card is specifically talking about trying to access parts of yourself that were repressed so a lot of times when people try to save people is because they haven't had their own um emotions or like i'm specifically thinking of like an anxious attachment style so if you've been in situations in your life where you haven't had your needs met or um, your emotions validated or whatever, like we we start to like seek validation from other people to such a degree that it's like intoxicating. It's addicting. It's literally addicting. So this this compulsive need to like help or fix people often comes from that place. And so who is this mask? Who are you playing? Like who are you embodying? It this is to me calling attention to like the roles that you are playing out night after night for yourself. And is that what you want? Obviously, that's way easier said than done. Um, I speak from experience on that. Anxious attachment system is not easy. Um, but when it's dark, it's like, there's, there's a sense here of like, you don't want to suppress that either. So there, there's really awesome things about being like, hypervigilant isn't inherently bad because you're very aware, you're very perceptive. They've done studies where like hypervigilant or anxiously attached people notice like the craziest specific and fast detail but it's that assumption that jump to conclusions or every all the other conditioning or trauma we've been through that that makes that that takes the the cool part away <laughs> from being hypervigilant um it doesn't become a superpower it becomes like a vice or a or a achilles heel so you don't have to give that up you don't have to lose that piece of yourself like there's a sense here too with the mask of like identity right like we identify with this piece of ourself or this part of ourself that sees ourselves as the helper or that we selflessly give over and over and all that all that jazz but you're not losing that when you refine the masks you wear no they're still there for you to play let's see let me pull any other messages coming through for you Hmm. Let me pull the just the Astara term. Oh. Page of Pentacles, yeah. Okay. What else? That was so loud on the mic, I'm sorry. <laughs> Eight of Cups and oh, we got a lot. Eight of Pentacles. Oh wow, we got a lot of pentacles here. Ten of Pentacles, cool. So to me, that's like, that's speaking to getting out of your head and into the earth. Um, doesn't have to literally be that, but it, that's what I'm hearing. So it's like you're, you were this page of swords, but the, the, the path out of the woods right now is embodying this page of pentacles energy of like, I think of when you, the page of pentacles is like when you explore a new woods for the first time like you have the knowledge of the forest you've been taught the ways to get around and all this stuff but you're applying it to a new practice and so there's a sense of wonder with it um it's also this pursuit of something solid in your life so if you're working on attachment styles let's say it's it's like this pursuit of oh you have all these new tools and knowledge of how to get through these woods but it's the true test the true application um and with that you know you have the eight of cups here where there's a sense of mourning there's a sense of like It's different than the Five of Cups and then the Eight of Cups is when you've, you recognize you've been down this road before. It's like, oh shit, there's more pieces. There's more things I have to let go and not hold on to with my identity anymore in this process. Like you, you start to drop what isn't helpful anymore. That doesn't mean you don't have those lessons, but you just can't hold on to it. You can't carry all these cups at once. And you have to make room for what you want. You have to contract before you expand. After that, after that eight of cups, we have another eight with the eight of pentacles, which is the work, the work card, the hard work, the labor of love, the devotion to the process and doing the steps. I don't even think I need to go into that. That seems pretty self-explanatory. Um, then after that, we have the Ten of Pentacles. How beautiful is that? Ten of Pentacles is the completion of a cycle. It's the completion of 
this piece of the shadow. It's the full integration um, into the material, out of the head and into the body. Trauma is felt in the body, right? So what good is it just ruminating about it all the time in her head? Obviously, you can't just shut that off, but there, there's something to be said. Like, once you fully accept it as within every aspect of yourself and your being, it starts to lose its power over you. And you can get to this place where you have these systems and um, work or support systems or... I said systems twice, but like systems, I mean... You have like these systems of support that you know you can rely on. And let's say those get taken away for some respect or some reason. You can adapt because you've been through this pen this journey of the pentacle from the page all the way up through the ten of pentacles. You've been there before, and so you know this way. You've had you've tried on this mask. You know what it feels like to get so caught up in your head that it's painful. You know what it feels like to try to save other people and why that's not helpful. And you just move on. You keep going. You keep working through it again and again and again. And that sucks that we have to keep doing things again and again and again. But you're going to get there. And it's going to be easier and easier and easier each time. It, you know that saying, like, life doesn't necessarily get easier you just get better at managing it. Let's see what angel surrounds you. This is my scary angel's deck, which I've mentioned before. <sighs> what angel is supporting you during this time? Oh, cool. So this deck also has... um the Kabbalah tree of life. So it's not just angels. So it didn't, angel didn't even come out. You actually got Bina, which is the left eye of knowledge. And this image here is this person who looks like he's bursting forth through pain and like part of him is literally shattering. Um, but before him out such and his arms are like held and there's just the small bright light of the moon in that space. This one speck of roundness and this image of jaggedity or sharpness that aspect of the breakthrough so let me read let me read this for us here this deck's by peter morabacher and it's quite poetic Bina, left eye knowledge the third emanation a flow of light that pours into the world a candle whose flame may light another without diminishing its own Bina seeks not only creation but purpose she is a flare of pure intent that blossoms in the heart of existence and out into the world. Her energy brings with it a desire for knowledge. She is the force that turns all the potential from higher emanations into a form that can be received by our consciousness. Bina sits atop the pillar of severity, heading the feminine aspect of the diagram, creating a perfect balance with Chakma at her side. Together, they represent a continuum of psychic understanding. While Bina represents the power of knowing, Chakma reveals the power not of not knowing. One acts as a vessel as the other fills that vessel, giving it its purpose. Found in learning, shared experience, and creation. So, Bina here seems to me, as so we put a cap on this reading, to remind us that sometimes, like, you know, knowledge is power in some respect right? So there obviously is power in the journey and the process, but for you, it's going to be learning, learning what's going to trigger you, learning how to get through that, like learning as much as you can about attachment or any other type of traumatic thing you have going on um, is going to be key. But as well, like this is, it's, it's a left eye. It's a vision. It's a glimpse into you. They say the eyes are the window to the soul. For me, that seems to be reminding you that this isn't who you are. Like, there's so much more to you. This is the very tip of the pillar. But it just keeps going and going and going. Like, you are not your hypervigilance. You are not your trauma. You are not someone else's trauma. It's not your job to fix other people's trauma. No. That's not you. You are not the masks you wear. 
We are all things, right? To do what you can. Make it practical. Sometimes it's fucking hard. I know. It's hard to get something in place that makes you feel like you're actually getting better. It's hard to know what's real, what you're projecting. Believe me, I know. But, it is the blessing of being a human being, right? We work through the shit. And we have each other to do so. You can be support for other people without forcing your support. <laughs> you can um, hold space. Is that what people say? Yeah. You can hold space for other people. You don't have to actively solve people's problems for them. And, you know, when you're trying to actively solve people's problems, what you're doing is projecting your own problems. So you're not even seeing the situation for what it is or what's really going on. So just look at yourself. Go inward. Go deep. Go beyond the scariest carnal hallway of your soul that you walk down. What are some of the doors you don't want to open? Open one. Open it. Because so long as that door's there and shut and locked, it's going to have power over you. So do what you can to get through it. And there's many resources out there for you to go to if you decide that you would like help. And again, it's if you decide you want it. No one can force you to deal with it. So, in a way, that is on you. But in a very compassionate on you. There's no right or wrong way. Okay. That was kind of fun. It is interesting doing a reading with no feedback from another person um, here. But, yeah. Let me know if you get this far in the podcast, uh, if you if that resonated with you or not. I feel like it might be for a, for a specific couple of people. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that, though. Well, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Real Witches of the End Times. Um, again, I'm, I'm Mana Bueller. You can find me on Instagram at mothmanatero or on my website, mothmana.com. Oh, Doom Witches. Oh, my sweet, sweet Doom Witches. The night is dark and full of terrors, right? As the Red Woman said in Game of Thrones. Um, but it's also full of some really cool shit. There's a lot of cool animals out there at night. So this week, as you transmute some of your doom into something greater, maybe you can have... <laughs> That's something greater. Be like a bat house. Like maybe you'll build a house for bats and put it up in a tree for some of those creatures of the night. Or plant a night blooming flower. Like how cool is that to walk out into your garden at night and then to see a full blooming flower at two o'clock in the morning? The bats will thank you. <laughs>